Good to see you again. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, it's always a delight to be in this pulpit because uh, one of the great things about this church and what, uh, I, why I love to come here is because it's a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-practicing church that centers the Bible. Your pastor, Pastor Paul, preaches and teaches it faithfully and others and Dr. Miller and so it's always a delight to be with you. It feels like almost home, you know, to be back here at Gospel Baptist. I'm getting older. Seventy, well, so are you. <laughs> Seventy-six. Boy, I, I forget things sometimes. The other day, there was, a guy came up to me and says, what's your name? And I, you know, paused a little bit. The guy next to him said, Wayne Willis. I said, that's it. Today we're going to talk uh, topically. I'm not going to insult your intelligence. I know you know everything I'm going to say. It's just a reminder, I hope a good reminder, about the book. The Bible is it's so unique. You know, and you know we believe, and would die for this. There are things you would die for, and this is one of them. The Bible is inerrant in the original autographs. It is uh, inspired, and not in the way that we use it in literature and there, everything. It is inspired in that unique way the Bible describes in 2 Timothy 3.16. God breathed out. So it is totally accurate in science and history. Uh, so it's the book of books. It's not a book of Mormon written by a, a shyster, you know, uh, or a crazy moon cult guy. It's not, it's not the uh, it's not uh, a the book that uh, he, he, he wrote, but it is a book of, in our English Bible, 39 books in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, 24, in the New Testament, 27 books, written over a long period of time, about 4,000 years, people say, and it was added too, like in Deuteronomy, you don't have to look at these, Deuteronomy 31, 26, Joshua 1, 8, you know, Moses had died, so uh, evidently Joshua recorded his death in Deuteronomy and then he continued writing 1 Samuel 10 25 add to the book add to the book so as it was written it was added to about 4,000 years about 40 different authors and they didn't get together and say now make sure that this symbol is the same as my symbol Make sure you don't say something different out of sync in eschatology that I say, namely having the kingdom before the tribulation, is perfectly in sync. It's a unit. Like Dr. Wickham used to say, it's, it's an orchestra, and there's one conductor. It's, it's a building, and there's one architect. It's the Holy Spirit superintended over these writers. So it's the book we can, uh, it, it describes our worldview. It defines it for us. It is our life. And we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. And so we, we, we understand it's his integrity on the line in his promises. Now I want to talk about books in the Bible. The Bible talks about books, different books in the Bible. And we look at, I think, four of them today. So it's a kind of a topical thing, so you just kind of go with me with different verses with these different books. It mentions books or scrolls in the Bible. The first one is found in Exodus 
32. And you know the story, verse 30, and it came to pass, it says, on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned, a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. And now, if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, blot me, and emphasize that, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, out of thy book, which thou hast written. That's the first book. What is this book we have written? Of course, God is omniscient doesn't need to write down anything, but he calls it a book. I think it's the book of the living. I think it's the saved and unsaved people who are living right now. I think when you die, you're out of this book. I think Moses was saying, kill me for the sake of my people. Take me, my name out of the book of the living, of the living. If you're alive, you're in this book now. I'm in this book now, saved and unsaved. The book of the living. And and so it's, it's referenced there. And I think if you flip over to Psalm 119, it's, it's probably referenced here. Although it's talking about your life and God knowing all about it, even before it happens, thine eyes did not see my, thine eyes did see my substance. David is, the writer is talking about the baby in the womb. The womb. He's describing the womb. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unformed. Unformed. And in thy book, and in thy book, all my members were written, which is in countenance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, you knew all my life before, before I was even born, like Jeremiah, like Paul. You knew all about me. What would happen? God's omniscience in thy book. What does this tell you? Life's important to God. Every one of you is worth more than the whole world. What should a prophet of man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul, his life? You're valuable. All life is valuable. It's amazing to me that now in our society, in our culture, you are described as a radical or a, 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 a rebel if you hold to the sanctity of life in the womb. We're talking about babies. And if you, if you give an inch to that, that mindset, it's going to take a mile. We're going from the first trimester real quick to what? The baby on the table, Governor of Virginia. Fully formed. You give it an inch, it's going to go a mile. You know that. That baby in the womb is precious to God. It is considered an individual. It is considered eligible for being written in the book of the living. Even at conception, that's my view. I take it all the way back. And sin did my mother conceive me. David said, and he's not talking about a sinful act. He's talking about the fact that he was a sinner even at conception. I was a human being at conception. So the Bible teaches here the value of, of human life. And that begins in the womb. It's also talking about the individual. And I know, and, and we do make a lot of community, the community of faith and the one body, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. You know, That's true. 
But also there's an emphasis on the individual in the Bible. That one person, your grandmother, your grandfather cannot save you. You're not, there's no group salvation. There's no corporate salvation. It's an individual thing. It's an individual decision. So the emphasis is on the individual by this book, the book of the living. Like Nicodemus, John 3. Like the woman at the well, John 4. Like Zacchaeus. Like the woman who pressed through the mob to even touch the hem of his garment. That individual. The Bible pinpoints individuals. And we're members, but we're not the Marxist community, you don't count sort of thing. We're like a mob, no. You're important. The individual in that community is important. You're strategic. And so, the book of the living tells us a lot of things about who our God is. There's another book. I want you to flip over this. The books, and this you flip all the way through the Bible, all the way. What did he do today? He preached through the Bible. Revelation 20. These are books. Books. Revelation 20, verse, 20, verse 12. And you know this. Like I say, you know all of this. You've been preached and been taught here with the great white throne judgment, the mega, mega throne. Just a different word than Bema. You know, Bema in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. And, and uh, it's, a, it's not a tribunal where you, you just uh, get rewards for works. And it's a difference between the judgment seat of Christ, and you know that, and the, and the Bema, the mega the megathrone that comes after the kingdom on earth and uh, uh, this is the judgment of all the lost of all the ages hell and death delivered it up they were standing there and who's on the throne what Jesus said in John 5 you know the father has committed all judgment to him it's Christ on the throne not the father it's Christ sitting on the throne And so the books were open. It says the books, verse 12, were open. What are these books? Books. They're deeds. The text tells us. These, these are the books of deeds. Works are open. And I do believe, and I think the Bible is, is obvious, there are degrees of punishment. You know, you have the, you have, you have the passages in uh, uh, Matthew 11 the, the passages that speak of degrees of punishment the more tolerable passages it, it will be more tolerable in the j- day of judgment than Tyre and si- for Tyre and Sidon than for you these cities of Galilee Tyre, does that mean that they were believers in Sidon and, and more righteous it will be more tolerable for Sodom Jesus said more, more tolerable that's an interesting, more tolerable for Sodom. Were they righteous? No, they were smashed by God. Fire from heaven, brimstone. What is he saying? What, is G- what does more tolerable mean? I put it simply, hell's going to be hotter for you. Galilee, cities of Galilee, Gorson. Because what? They saw him. They saw Jesus in body. They saw him. They saw him in flesh. They looked upon him. He was here. They heard of his miracles. 
What does it mean? More light, more degrees of punishment. More light rejected, more degrees of punishment. The books, the books were open, it says. And another book was open, and we'll get to that one. The book of life. The book of life. And we know that that would be all the saved of all the ages. If indelible ink in there, it's indelible ink. That's when you accept Christ. But these were not found. They were judged according, the Bible says, according to their works. And we know the answer to that. Again, I'm not insulting your intelligence. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not even says it's the gift of God, not of what? Now, they were told that. This, not of works. There have been whole systems in, in Christendom that have built their, their religion on works. And others, even in Protestant religions, really emphasize it a lot. The Armenian emphasis. You're not saved by any work you've ever done. You know that, right? You know, just a reminder this morning. You know that. Not by works of righteousness, Titus 3, 5, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved. I could preach every day. Uh, I could, you know, do things that are nice and so forth to try and impress. But God is not impressed by me. Put it this way. Uh, he's impressed by his son. And I, everything I am or have or shall be is because I'm in his son. I have been given the righteousness of God, not my righteousness. Now get this straight, Romans. It's in Romans. God's righteousness is different than my righteousness. It can only be imputed. It can't be earned. God's righteousness can't. It's only imputed. It's only given to my credit. It's my side. By God, by faith, by grace. It can never be earned. That's the difference between God's righteousness and my righteousness. My, my righteousness it doesn't, doesn't affect my eternal destiny. God's right. I must have God's righteousness. And I have that standing as soon as I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I am declared righteous. That's called justification. And someone said the other day, I don't want to disagree if you disagree. Don't tell me. But I, it's a little different than just as if I'd never sinned. Yes, it is I have sinned. And I am unworthy. And I've been declared not the, on the basis of anything I've ever done or any improvement on the basis of God's mercy by his grace then declared righteous even though I am not. I am righteous in my standing, in my position. So these are books of works. And if you depend on your works, well, you know the answer to that. And so many people do, even subconsciously. Even sometimes Baptists, we depend on what we do, something we've done, so that we can impress him. And I'm not saying works are not important. They have their place. Of course, you know, James, you know, you know that. If you're regenerated, if you're born again, these works should follow you, of course. But I'm not saved by that. That's why I can preach to a person in, uh, on his deathbed or her deathbed to accept Christ, and they can reach out with the hands of their heart, and in that instant, before they slip into eternity, my belief is they can be born again. Instantaneous. That's my belief. So it's the book of the living, the books of works, the books, 
And then this, this book in, in Re- another revelation, don't have to go as far, Revelation 5. It's a beautiful scene. You know, you know the outline of Revelation. You know, the vision of Christ in Revelation 1, the things which are, the things which, the things which you have seen, the things which are the churches, you know, in Revelation 2, 3, you, you know all, all of that. And then we have this, uh, uh, John is caught up to the third heaven. He sees the church, 24 elders. And this, this, uh, this uh, challenge, you know, uh, Revelation book, the, I'm a futurist. I'm a futurist. I believe most of the Revelation deals with the future. I'm not a preterist. You have to look that up. I'm not a preterist, which emphasizes the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 and says that's all about that. I don't think it's just symbol. It's about symbol. It does use symbolism, but they all can be literally understood. But I'm a futurist. So Revelation 6 through 18 is the Great Tribulation, you know, Daniel's 70th week, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 through 25, and the worst of all times coming, never shall, never was they like it or ever shall be like it again. And, and it wasn't World War I, it wasn't World War II, it wasn't the Holocaust, and it's still yet future, because we won't be here. There's a big event, you know, happening, a mystery will be caught up, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, you know that. And then this worst of all times coming. The judgment's coming. The judgment. It's the, what's the difference between that and just the persecutions we've gone through as a church or the, the wrath you know, uh, uh, of men? Well, the difference is this is going to be the wrath of God. Even in the sixth seal, even they'll look up and they'll, they'll try to the mountains and, and, the, and the hills to fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. They knew where it's coming from. So who's going to be qualified to bring this judgment on this earth? I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, Revelation 5.1, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. You know, it was rolled out, and then there was a seal, and it was broken, and another rolled out, and another seal, and rolled out. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the seal, or the scroll, I'm sorry, and loose its seals, and no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the scrolls, neither to look on it. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy, no Democrat, no, no Republican, not even Trump, was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look on it. No one. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Genesis, Genesis 49, way back then. That's his humanity, that's his deity. Hath prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. That's John 5 again. The Father's committed all judgment to me, Jesus said. He's the one that's going to open the seals. He's the one that's going to distribute the judgment. Jesus, the one they rejected. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb though it had been slain having seven horns, seven eyes which are the seven spirits sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him and that sat upon the throne. You know the story. Now in, in, Re, in Revelation 6 you can translate 
what has been translated in the King James, I think, is come. You can also translate it go. I think go is the right translation. I think Jesus begins the seal judgments in Revelation 6 on those horses, the four horses of the apocalypse, and Jesus is the one. And I don't know how, how literally he says it, but he's the one that's, that's doing it. Go, he says to the white horse. Go to the next horse. Go. Go. Worst of all judgments coming on this planet and you and I won't be here so we can praise God. So this is, this is the title deed to the earth. You're reminded of that, you know, in, 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 in Psalm 2. You have this beautiful messianic psalm in Psalm 2, and all, it's used in, in the New Testament as the, uh, uh, referencing the resurrection, but also it's, it's the second coming. It's the second coming scene. What a scene. You can imagine that now, unfortunately, more and more now as it heats up. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. That's when they make fun. That's when the, the rulers of the earth, uh, you know, counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands, take, you know, the cords that hold us, religious bands, and do away with them and their cords from us. By the way, Marxists don't, they don't like your worship of God. Marxists and the world doesn't like. Why? Because it puts God above the government. It puts God above somebody else who wants to tell you what to do. And we know from the apostles, you can have your rules, we'll obey them, but when it comes to this, obeying government or obeying God in, in an issue that's clearly God, we will obey God every time. They don't like that. The world doesn't like that. They don't, they don't like your worship of someone higher than their system. Let us break their bands asunder. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his great displeasure. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I, have, I will declare the decree. The Lord has, he, and, and, and he said, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, I will give thee the nations for thy inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them. That's the Revelation 19 scene in pieces like a potter's vessel. I'm glad I'm on his side. Aren't you? What a scene. You think that's going to happen, Wayne? Yeah, I think, I think the nation of Israel will look on the one who they pierced, and a whole nation will be born in a day. So many Jews will come to Christ in the second coming. It's like a whole nation will be born in a day. Not everyone. You and I will have a different perspective. And he will come in the great clouds. That's the book, the title deed to the earth, the scroll that he took, that he unravels, beginning in, Genesis, in Revelation 6, going through 18, culminating in Revelation 19, coming on, a, on the white horse that's not the counterfeit, speaking. Well, how's he going to do this? He speaks. You know, we can have our missiles and our Oh, weaponry, he would speak. That's God. See, God created all things with his mouth, with the breath, the Bible says in Psalms, of his, with his breath. That's what the Bible is. It's God spoke. It's breathed out. The world doesn't understand the supernatural. God speaks and things are. That's the God you serve. You don't have to be intimidated. In this world, you're on the right side. You know, 
You're not losers. I was writing my dissertation and I was quoting one of the uh, amillennialists. He says they're premillennials or, or pessimists. I said they haven't read the rest of the story. You know, read Revelation 19 and 20. How does it end up? We're not pessimists. Then there's this Lamb's Book of the Life of Life. Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation 3, 5. Just one verse, and there, there are many verses, but we'll just use that, Revelation 3, 5. The Lamb's Book of Life. Now I was told you'd go to 130, is that correct? 130. <laughs> oh. Some of you are sweating already, I can tell. Checking your watch. Just don't shake it. This is the lamp. You know, uh, I was born in Estale, North Carolina. You don't know where that is. You have to be a Willis to be there. Even know how to get there, maybe. I don't know. We had, I was born, my, you know, the house I was born in, I was born in a house. Not too many of us left. I was born in a house, four-room house, and uh, it's still there. Uh, the tree, I, I, it's not a memorial, but I, I remember my mother says Bible, gave us Bible stories and one day and you know I accepted Christ I go back to that I was seven years old I was, but I went to that tree and I prayed it's falling down but my I'm 76 I'm, I'm still saved <laughs> you, know, you know grandma's house about a hundred yards and then there was Uncle Bill and Aunt Dots about another hundred yards Aunt Virgie over here that was the community that was raised by that community we had a oil circulator in the house. You know what that is? Oil circulator. I think that's what they call them, oil circulator. It was a one heating unit in the whole house. It was in the kitchen. So everybody would gather around that, you know. And so my sister, Jenny Lee, that, what a name. It's kind of a southern name, isn't it? Virginia Lee. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's real southern. But Jenny Lee and myself would sing sometimes as little kids. And I don't know why we sung this song, but we heard it somewhere. We would, you know, around that oil circulator, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. White robe angels sing the story. The sinners come home. I remember, I remember saying that. Jenny Lee accepted Christ when she was nine. I accepted Christ when I was, 1953, when I was seven. You know, and it was written down, I didn't know all of this, written down in a book of life. Whatever God is conveying with the book of life, he counts me as saved. And in that book, and, and that's the book of living in which I die, but I'll never get out of this book of life. And it's used throughout the Revelation, you know, Revelation 13, 8, 17, 8, 20, verse 12, and verse 15. Now, in, in Revelation uh, 22, uh, the King James says the book, but I think that's really tree. I think it should be uh, in the original, more reliable manuscripts, tree. But consistently, not counting that verse, consistently the book of life is indelible, it's written indelibly. You, you cannot be blotted out. Now you can be blotted out of the book of the living you can't be blotted out. And it's not a Baptist thing. It's, it's a, it, it really is. It's the integrity of God here. 
His promises. You know, I, I, there are times you say, well, how do you feel? There are times I don't feel great. You know, I don't feel great at all. Uh, you know, it depends on what you eat. Now, I used to eat, I used to, Alice knows this, I would, I would uh, this is what I would do at night. This is why, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I had uh, trouble later. But it was just, uh, you know, chocolate, ice cream, bananas, and uh, strawberry um, uh, jam, and then uh, the Earthsea's chocolate over top of that. And I would, I'd be a, before I go to bed. <laughs> what, what? And I would sleep soundly. What? If I eat that down, what, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be setting up in bed with my eyes about this big. You know, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. If I drink tea now, I can't go to sleep very much. Well, I, there, was, there were times, though, that that would come back to me, that, that chocolate stuff in your stomach, and you don't feel certain ways. You, it's possible not to feel saved, I guess, but I don't have to depend on that, do you? And they'll make it more serious. You, know, you can have depression. You can go down deep and you can thank God this and that. Just go to the Bible. That's a promise there. He puts his integrity on that. The, the ones that are justified, Romans 8, are the ones that will be glorified, the same ones. You're there. You're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2 6. It's, what is that? Well, that's good is done what it means as good as done you're already there you know what I mean it's futuristic I know that it's a it's a, a, a it's a, a judicial thing I understand that the Bible talks about Paul Paul uses things like that Romans 8 Ephesians 2 6 even Colossians 1 13 a judicial thing what do you mean well it's it's future but it's 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 already done it's good as done we're, we're citizens. We've been transferred into the kingdom of God. We're citizens already of the future kingdom. That's why you're acting this way. That's why you're kind of torn with this culture. That's why you're not home yet. You're not home yet because you're, you're what? You're pilgrims. You're sojourners. You, you don't feel correct. Your bone's out of joint when you're in this world. It's not, you don't fit. It's not that you're weird or strange. You just don't have different ideas about what life is all about, what the purpose of life and, and the whole thing. Because you've been written in the Lamb's book of life. You have, the, you have the Holy Spirit. You are there. What an assurance. God's already told you. You believe on him, you're saved. He that hath the Son has life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beginning in this state while you're alive. I was born again. That life was imparted to me. Life. That's, you know, John, John talks a lot about that life. Paul talks a lot about adoption. But he does mention it, you know, by the Holy Spirit. But John talks a lot about life, life. First John, First John, a book that talks a lot about that life and, and evidences of the life. I've been animated from above. I, I, I'm alive, uh, but I have the Holy Spirit. And it's, uh, I was dead in trespasses and sins. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. But I, I, I've been quickened, made alive. And instantaneously, nineteen fifty three. 
seven years old. Wow. Wow. I've been preaching a long time. I've seen different reactions. I've seen people just, you know, tears roll down. I've seen people not much reactions at all. I've seen people walk down the aisle. So Scotty Fox, who had a big old chopper, who was a, uh, well, I heard him. I didn't see that. This would happen. I came just after he was saved. But people tell me he had a big old chopper. He sold drugs. Big old Scotty Fox. Remember Scotty Fox? About looked like he was seven feet tall. He's probably about six, seven, something like that. Walked down the aisle, and all this, all this tattoos except Christ. I've I've heard of it. I've seen it. I came. And I was his pastor for a long time, so I know his testimony. But it doesn't matter how you react, tears or no tears, if you put your faith in Christ, genuine faith, God does the rest. Faith is mentioned 135 times in the New Testament as the sole condition for salvation. And that's not by accident. 135 times. Schaefer, Lewis Perry Schaefer lists those times in his systematic theology. By faith alone. Isn't that something? That's the, what does that say to you? It's all God. It's all God. And that's the way he wants it. He wants all the glory to go to him and all the glory to go to his son. So give it to him. Don't take any credit. For me to live as Christ and to die is the game. How do you sum it up, Wayne? Well, let me just say this. You, you're, a, you're a book. You know, uh, Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, that Christ, you know, was in your life, and you're, you've been written. You're writing your book, your testimony. Who's reading it? Your husband, your wife, children, your grandchildren? What does it say? What does your life say? Would you, I know we have tombstone inscriptions. It's hard to, you know, what do you say? That's not the book. The book is the whole thing. Being written right now. It's your worldview, where you think about things. Sometimes you might not say something and, and people don't understand what you are and who you are. But let God write the book. Let him write the book for you. What do you mean, Wayne? Walk by means of the Spirit. How do you do that? And that's a, a, you know, how. It's not, a, it's not a bumper sticker answer, but you have the Holy Spirit. The best way I can explain it is obedience to what you know is to be the will of God and the known will of God. And that's, that's hard enough. We have all these other things that go off in the little little avenues, but as, as we do the basics, we start with the basics, I think keep you busy, I think the other ways of pleasing God will come more, will be wisdom there. When you go to this book, again, go back to the book and try to obey it in context, in, everybody say context, that's important, don't get it out of context, we don't, we don't offer lambs and things today, in context, you're not in the Old Testament, you're in the New Testament, you're in the church age, but obey it. Just obey it. I'm studying a 
sing Jeremiah the other day. You know, I, had a mess, I did a message a long time ago. I was listening to my message on Jeremiah. And just, one of the things that come out in Jeremiah, scholars say, is listen. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. Over and over again, they didn't listen to the message. I think this church listens. It's my impression. You're all listening to what he says. Have that sensitive ear to the Spirit of God as he's written the word. Obey it. I think, uh, in my experience, a lot of times, I don't want to be, you know, but a lot of times people say, I don't understand something. Really, sometimes it means I don't like it and I'm not going to obey it. You, all kind of versions out there, y'all. God didn't exactly hide his truth under a rock and say, discover it. He's revealed it. It's not a problem with clarity. It's a problem with us. It's called perspicuity of Scripture. The Bible's clear, clear, clear. The problem is us confusing it. Let's get it right. What's the invitation? Just to be sensitive to his word. I don't know how that applies in your life. You are a book. You are a book. Be sensitive to that. And write it clearly with what you say to your spouse or what you say to your neighbors, what you say in work, what you do, what you say, what you do to your family. Let me be more consistent, you can say. Let me be more consistent so that my book is clear. My book is clear. Clearly written by the hand of God more and more. Let's go to him in prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the clarity. We thank you for the issues you bring out in it. Help us to make it our worldview, even though at times even Christians have a hard time of, of being molded by it. Help us to, to be in it. Thank you for this church, the church of the book that is taught here, is believed here, practiced. Not everyone in this place practices it, I know has to be, but God convince us to practice it more, to be more consistent with our profession, more consistent with what we say we believe from this book. So the world will look and say, wow, they really do believe it. Look how they live. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we've had to preach. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for every person who's attended. We pray that you'd use them, bless them. All these requests have been known up here. We pray that you'd keep those, that your son would be glorified in the working out of those answers. We leave this service to you in Jesus' name. 